Well, thank you. It's been an honor to be here and love to see people being healed from the top down. Uh, because it is so when the when uh, sure when there's uh, the top down in anything, whether it's a home or a church or a business, when they're healthy, then everybody else can be healthy on down. So that's what it should be, right? So um, again, I'm Craig Miller. Please call me Craig. And one thing that I will say is uh, uh, the church is, and Danny talked a lot about this, is developing its prayer ministry to bring healing to people. So my first desire would be to get the church, it is, is already has a prayer team and people are doing healing. So I do recommend, um, before you call me, call, say, Kristen, to get something going on in the church, to get some ministry. And then they will call me if, uh, I mean, obviously, if you buy one of my books. What I'm going to be talking about today is about breaking emotional barriers and healing in general. So if there's one book you need to get, you want to learn more about healing and about how to bring uh, more to yourself, uh, then this is the book to buy. But so I I get a lot of calls after I do, but I, after I do um, conferences, but I do want a church to be equipped to handle their body. I mean, why not? So that's because that's what God wants to 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 equip and to uh, to take care of each other. Uh, what I want to do is um, I want to to make this work. Everybody has to do this. So I want you to turn to a person next to you or in back of you or in front of you and say to that person, "God thinks you're awesome, but I'm His favorite." God thinks you're awesome. I'm his favorite. <laughs> now, now, I need to let you know that I'm his BFF. <laughs> All right, best friend forever. Okay. So um, uh, I said I'll, I'll do this one too. I love humor. Humor actually stirs up your endorphins. So I said this this morning. I think this is saying, well, this is another... Uh, funny story. So there was a family that uh, this one, a family that had some guests over after dinner, and the mom uh, asked the six-year-old boy, the six-year-old boy, would he like, would he say the prayer? And the boy says, "Mom, I don't know what to say." She says, "Well, just say what mommy says." So they bowed their heads. The little boy prayed, "Dear Father, why did we invite all these people over?" <laughs> So watch out what you say, right? Okay, so let me just pray and get this started. So I'm going to pray over us. Um, what I want, prayer that I love is Ephesians 1, 18 and 19. I pray that the eyes of our hearts may be enlightened so that we will know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to take a little bit of time. Today our message is, I'm going to go back, there you go, finding peace and healing in your life. So this is going to be a snippet about finding peace and how you can find some peace in things. Because do you yourself or do you know somebody who has a lot of stuff going on, whether it's anxiety, depression, physical issues, general emotion issues, and not feeling good enough, not feeling worthy, afraid to disappoint people, uh, just pain in your body. Sadly, that's a very common thing with people, but it's not supposed to be normal. And what happens is the longer we have it in our life, we adapt our life to actually live with it, and then it becomes our norm. 
Now that is not godly. So what we have to recognize, I want to help you recognize this and to know, first of all, everybody does have issues. So turn to the next person, to the person next to you, and say, I've got issues. I've got issues. <laughs> no, no, you've got issues. No, no I've got issues. <laughs> well, I'll don't go back and forth. Some conference will say, I'll say to the people, say next to you, say to the person next to you, you've got issues. <laughs> so what I'd like to say is now, husbands, look at your wives and look at the big smile they have on their face because they've been telling you that for years. <laughs> So now it's true. Now that you said you got issues, now you got to get counseling. So <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> oh, I love that stuff. All right, so John says, I got to get serious. This is supposed to be serious. <laughs> so Danny's not serious. So, so why do I have to be serious? Oh, yeah, I don't have to be serious. All right, joke time. No. <laughs> so John, in John 16, it says, the, Lord, the world, in the world, you have tribulation. But it's, it's, so it's really not about the fact, that, the fact that you have issues. It's really about what do you do with them. Because everybody's got them. And you know, the, the disciples had them. And Jesus let them know that they had it. Okay? But also it's what you do with them. So our goal is to not allow the tribulations to control you. It's a matter of what we do so we control them. So in John 14, 27, it says, My peace I give to you, not as the world gives, I do not do not let your hearts be troubled and not be fearful. So is your heart troubled, afraid, or hurting? So we need to realize, where does this come from? Why do we have this issue? Uh, there we go. So in this, we, uh, in this target, for example, when we accept Jesus into our heart, it's in our core. That's 1 Corinthians 3.16. So the Spirit dwells within us. That's 1 Corinthians 3.16. We also have uh, John 1.16 which is we have his fullness. We have, do you know that you have everything Jesus has when you accept him in your heart? Like everything, all the power, all the authority. You can just, you can tell when you, you need to know that when you, when you have Jesus in your heart and you walk through a door, you change the atmosphere because of who you are. Now you need to think, do you do that? Well, no, I don't do that. So you need to realize, are you like an Eeyore or are you like just an excited celebrity that just kind of walks in and like, you know, I've got something here, okay? And so the Lord wants you to know that you do have a lot. So when you, when you pray, though, from the spirit, when you pray through the soul, the soul made up of the mind, will, and emotions, the issue is if you've got a lot of soulish stuff going on inside, what happens is that's going to hinder you to get to the, to the body, so people wonder, why, why am I not healed? Well, the church really does focus on the Spirit, which is fine. You want to pray through the Spirit, asking God, Holy Spirit, to take care of it. But when I have a lot of things going on, and I'm full of anxieties and depressions and things that are happening in my life, then that will block it because I'm not going to believe, actually, I can be healed. Especially if I don't feel good about myself and I don't believe something, then it's, I have a hard time to believe that God can even do it. See, I can't believe in myself or what God can do unless somebody of greater authority believed in me first. I can't believe in myself or what somebody or what God's going to do unless somebody also of greater authority started first. Because 
This is all based on Proverbs 22.6. Train up a child in the way they should go, and when they're older, they won't depart from it. So who in your life gave you a sense of who you are? See, our father, our earthly father, is our, uh, develops our image, and our mother develops our comfort. And they're supposed to put them together to make that work. So we need to realize then what's going on inside your soul and how do we get there? How do we accumulate this stuff? So as early as utero, uh, we, can, we can actually feel something uh, happen to us by what, how our mother is at that moment. So in utero, for example, if your mom is very anxious and is a very anxious person, then you're going to be anxious. Because the adrenaline, it's the chemicals, how your mom reacts, and so on, especially from the sixth month on. The sixth month on, the child is a, a, a seeing, hearing, feeling, sensing child. You can actually can hear uh, what's going on. You can see the light outside, and you can also sense what's going on in the chemicals. For example, when there's a lot of anxiety, adrenaline washes over the body and the baby. The baby then becomes anxious. The adrenaline is the fight-or-flight kind of chemical to either to, to boost up either I'm going to fight or I'm going to f- flee. And so what happens is you become the child becomes anxious, and they use up their adrenal gland. And I can, my adrenal gland is the fight-or-flight organ. It becomes exhausted, and then I can be born with anxiety, like ADD and uh, issues of anxiety disorder, uh, fast thinking, um, type A personality, just we can start with that. Now, the good part about it is we can pray that off of you. And so when I talk about this stuff, I, I try not to, I'm not trying to make you guilty because you did that to your child. I'm just letting you know that, that whatever you have that's not of God was given to you. So if it was given to you, that means you can give it away. But the reason why we hold on to it is because we don't know how to give it away or no one's safe enough to give it away or we don't know how to. And that's what I want to share with you. Okay, so keep continuing on. So when we, as a child, in the, in the world as a child, your external world creates your internal belief of reality. So whatever's going on around you, uh, parents fighting or there's a lot of turmoil, somebody dies, somebody divorces. When that happens, that creates a lot of anxiety and overwhelmingness. So your external world creates my internal belief of reality. So if my dad is a yeller and I become afraid of my dad because he's yelling, which is a natural response, then what happens is I'll create this belief inside that when people yell, people get upset, people are disappointed, and when there's conflict, I should be afraid. That's the belief. And so I'll go into adulthood, and adulthood is all about when the internal belief of reality creates my external world. So now when I'm an adult, my, my boss gets mad or, or my spouse does or something happens like a friend gets upset. I think I disappointed them. And I get this overwhelming feeling of anxiety. That doesn't make sense. So Because chances are your boss is a knucklehead, okay? So he gets that way. It's like, why am I afraid of that? Was well, because when somebody raises your voice of authority, it stirs up my belief from the authority that I had that I learned it was given to me, and now I'm going to re- respond the same way. You understand that? But that was given to you, so now I have it, and now I believe the same thing. So if your amount of emotion is greater than it should be, given the situation, it usually is. 
You can't make, so if it doesn't make sense why you're feeling that way, it's because you can't make sense out of nonsense. So chances are, so you're a smart, are you, so let me ask you this. This is a yes or no question. I need a yes or no answer. Are you a smart person? Well, that was really weak. Okay, so, okay, so let me ask you again. So are you a smart person? There you go. That's good. Because you're a smart person and you have Jesus in your heart, why are we coming to church anxious? It's because somebody gave me an anxiety feeling and now I'm carrying it around. It's not yours to keep. It's not of God. Somebody gave it to you. Now you can give it away. Everything that's not of God was given to you by a person or a circumstance. Even if you were born with it, it was still given to you. And it can be given away, and God will take care of it. But you have to know that and say, wait a minute, why am I carrying this around? And then you have to know how to. So let me move on so I can help you with that. Fast and furious stuff. Okay, so I had a woman that complained of chronic back pain from falling down the stairs 10 years ago. Getting out of bed in the morning was, she had a pain level of 0 to 10. It was an 8, so I always scaled up so you have an idea. And 10 is the highest. So, uh, and she uh, it was always painful, so sitting, standing, and uh, doing house chores, right? She's going to physical therapy, uh, had medications, like a TENS unit, and like, nothing seemed to help, but prayer, and didn't seem to get rid of it. So, uh, realizing that uh, I look at every part of your body has a connection uh, to its, its purpose and its function. So, the back, the back, uh, uh, the spinal column is the, the, the purpose is for support, the major support structure of your body. So you can't sit, stand, or walk without the spinal column being intact and, so, and your support. So, so after praying for them and doing all we can, we still have that problem. That means there's an emotion stuck, that emotion that goes to the back, that weakens the back. There's an emotion that's uh, in the soul that makes the body weak. And the longer you have it in the soul, the more it disrupts the body and makes it worse. So the major, the, the major uh, support, the major issue of emotion that will stop your back from being healed is lack of emotional support in your life, even if it was 30 years ago from your parents. So typically I'll ask people, you can have a back injury and, doesn't, and it doesn't seem to get healed, so I'll ask who in your life is not been supportive of you, to say you could go through life for 40, 50, 60 years and not have a back problem. And you could have 60 years of people not supporting you, but this sooner or later, if something happens, your back's going to be injured and it'll be feel worse than usual, it will not be healed, or all of a sudden it'll just go out and you don't know why. It's because the emotion in your body, this is like the Center for Disease Control, they say that 85% of your physical ailments have a psychological root. That's huge. I see it as 95. So my point is that emotions held in will always create more a disturbance on the physical because it has somewhere has to go somewhere. Your muscles, tendons, and ligaments will be start deteriorating. I could go on and on, but again, this is all here in this book. And I don't like to typically do this like a commercial, but I want you to be healed, and I want you to learn more. So there's, there's 450 or 60 diagnoses in the back of the book and your organs. And what you do is, and you pray, and it doesn't seem to work, Go. it gives you the emotional connection to the physical issue. 
So, and what I did is I prayed over. She had a father that was not very supportive. Her mom didn't protect her from her dad. She had an unsupportive uh, boss and then a, and a, a husband. And so it was this constant thing going on in her life. And what that did is it just, it would bring more and more stress on her. And because she wasn't able to release it, she kept on holding on to it and it increased it over time. Typically uh, in your 40s, early 40s, about mid to late 50s, I see a lot of people in that time frame, and even early 30s, because that's when we, it's called an accumulation approach. So our body literally will accumulate all this hurt and eventually it breaks down and then lets it out, usually in a physical issue or more anxieties or more anger or uh, how I feel about things and, um, or I get more body aches and pains. That is called an accumulation approach, especially if I don't understand why. So, you understand? All right, so let me move on then. So anyway, I, I release the, the emotion of hurt and not being supported from each one of these persons. She forgave them all and her back just was healed. Like at that moment, it took maybe 20 minutes. She'd been living with that for years. So it probably even took less than that, actually. So when you hold on to negative emotion, the body doesn't get healed. And uh, the body continues to store more and more up. And the, the, the God created us. It's so interesting, but why won't God take it away? I totally believe God will heal anytime, anywhere, or anybody. But you've got to recognize people hold on to things for a reason. And because Jesus is a gentleman, he won't take away something that you choose to keep. And no matter how much you pray for it, God, take this away. Well, why are you holding on to it? Just give it to me. Well, I'm really angry at this person, and I don't want to hold, I, they, you know, it protects. You know anger is a protection? So that's just one example. So God cannot force us to take away something. So if the Spirit, this is Romans 8, 11. If the Spirit dwells in you, God gives life to your mortal bodies through the Spirit who dwells in you. Excuse me. So... The Spirit dwells in you. You need to realize that because of that, the Spirit dwells in you, but also He will give life to your mortal bodies through the Spirit. But if you have something in your soul, that will hinder it. So let us let me show you what the Bible says about this. So since it's Sunday, let's go to a Sunday thing. And so, so let's talk about, let's see what Jesus did. This is gonna, we're going to go to Mark 4, 35 through 41. So if you have a Bible, if not, we'll put it on the screen. So this is Mark 4. 35. So let me, let me read this to you. So this is an NIV version. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat, when he was preaching in the boat. There was were other, also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waters broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. So there was water coming into the boat, and there was water in the boat as Jesus was sleeping in the boat. So Jesus was in the stern, which is the back, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to the disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. 
So let me explain something to you. Um, so the, um, Jesus sent me this picture uh, of him in the boat preaching, just to let you know. <laughs> yeah, we're like this. I remember he's my best friend. So, so Jesus was ministering in the boat all day. And uh, the commentaries say that when he was preaching, you know, he's tired, and it was just a long day, and he had done some uh, preaching and uh, some ministering before. So the shore was so crowded that to get away, he just decided to stay in the boat and go to the other side. Now, uh, just to let you know, go a little bit further, these boats, now this is an actual picture of a boat, I think from the 1950s, and the boats are typically about 27 to 37 feet long, uh, which is not long, probably from that chair to basically this chair. It's not very long. It carries about 12 to 15 people. There's more than one boat. They have one sail. That's how they get oar and oar, largely uh, large oars, and that's how they uh, obviously propel the boat. They're made of wood or leather because there really wasn't a lot of trees out there at, in that area. So Jesus was laid in the stern, the back. He was asleep on the cushion. Now, there's a cushion on the back, the bow and the stern, uh, and the back and the front, because that's where the person would either um, would direct the boat or steer the boat, and so they'd be, be able to sit on that. So Jesus laid on that. And what, uh, so what happened was, uh, at that moment, the, um, a strong wind came. Now, which is really interesting, in the Sea of Galilee, which is where they were, uh, the Sea of Galilee is a lake about... Uh, 360 feet below sea level, so it was low. So it's a large fresh, it's the largest fresh water uh, in the area, and it's 13, about 13 miles wide, and it was surrounded by hills. Now, because the warm air, well, usually during times of year, it, the warm air will rise up from the water, and the cool air from the hills will come down and come under that, and what that does is it stirs up the water. Very, very common. It happens really fast, and they can have very big storms. Now, and both Mark and Luke state that it was a great storm of wind, like a squall. Now, in the Greek, when the, uh, a great wind or storm it refers to uh, a kind of wind that's sudden, it's a whirlwind, and it's, or like a hurricane. Now, that's, that is strong. So waves came into the boat. So... So it's in such as a description such as this, the waves were coming into the boat, as it says in the scriptures, and we were thinking of sinking and dying. Now think about this. A lot of the, the uh, disciples were experienced fishermen. They're on the water all the time. They know the lake. They know about that. So the fact that they said they were drowning or they were terrified, that's a big deal. That means it was a big storm. But think about it. But Jesus was still sleeping on the boat. Now, who does that? Okay. So water's coming into the boat. The boat's going like this, and he's still sleeping. Wouldn't you want that kind of peace? Yeah. Well, thank you. I know Kenny. <laughs> Kenny wants that kind of peace. So, all right. That's good. Well, he's 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 paying attention actually. So, so so to think about it though, Jesus was sleeping. And what I want to ask you is this. Has your life ever been filled with storms so bad that you thought that, where's Jesus? Where's God? Have you ever felt worried or hurt or 
like your ship or your job or your home or your family were sinking. Or you felt not supported or wondered where God is. And this is an awful, hurtful, desperate time to be in. And that's where the, that's where the disciples were. Do you think God is blind to your situation? So do you believe a heavenly father who doesn't care? Because you think about it. So if a heavenly father created us, wouldn't he care enough to also take care of us? Like, why would he do that? So if you have children, think about it. You care about them so much, you want to continue to care about them no matter how they feel about you, but you want them to have more. And you always care about them, even if, like your teenager, didn't think you did because you didn't buy them that Nintendo. No, I don't think they have Nintendos around anymore. <laughs> Do they? That's what my kids. That's what my kids got. <laughs> okay, so you need to realize that because Jesus believed so greatly that he was cared for by his Father, that his internal belief and peace was just as great. And he got that because that means he didn't need to worry about this external issues. Jesus did not accumulate his soul issues enough to do that because he was always seeking his heavenly father. He, he only did what his heavenly father told him. He would always go up to the mountaintop. In fact, you go to Luke and there's a, several instances, actually I know there's five, four at least, where he said no to one woman. When he came down from the mountain, a woman said, can you come to my city? He says, no, God has me going to other places. He actually said no. And there was another time twice that his disciples himself were actually bombarded with people and he was praying, praying, praying for people. And he said, it's time to go. He didn't finish all the people that were there. He said, it's just time to go. So he he set limits. And he did that because he cared. And because he knows that. And so the point is that he frequently spent and he knew what he needed to do, and so he didn't accumulate it. So there's an example also in Matthew 26, and I shared this yesterday. Matthew 26, 38. You ought to look it up. It's pretty interesting. This is when Jesus was going to the Garden of Gethsemane. So in Matthew 26, 38, he said to his disciples, my, my soul is, is uh, sorrowful unto death. So he knew that it was in his soul and he knew the accumulation because he knew he was going to the cross and his father was going to abandon him for three days and he had to take on the sins of the world. I'm like, I don't think I understand the immensity of that. But he did. And because of that, that was heavy on his heart. So in in Luke 44, Luke writes, Jesus released his anguish through his sweating uh, uh, with like drops of blood. Now, that's releasing. Uh, it's, it's a phenomenon called hemothydrosis. So when you're in intense agony and your blood vessels are so close to the sweat glands, when you're in intense agony, and actually it's in the medical, it's actually a medical phenomenon. And so when you, when you are in intense agony, your blood vessels burst and then the blood goes into the sweat glands and then you have sweat. You see that. Now, Luke saw that because he was a physician. It's not in the other other. Uh, Gospels. So the disciples watched Jesus do miracles and preaching, and they were astonished by him all day, and even whatever time they had before that. 
Jesus was. So it's not about Jesus not caring. It's about Jesus waiting for his disciples, for them to care enough to use the teaching and the power that he already gave them, not only through his, his uh, speaking, but in his speaking, he, he wondered, that's why he said in verse 40, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? So you think about it. If Jesus is in your heart, do you know it, it's the same amount, it's the same faith to believe Jesus to, uh, to forgive you for your sins to go to heaven as it is to be healed. But we don't seem to utilize it the same way. So what happens, you need to recognize if I'm if something's in the way of my being able to believe what God had, so we believe one but not the other, that means there's something about how I believe which came from someplace else. Somebody didn't believe in me enough so I could believe in myself and what I could do. So if you didn't get a lot of out of boys or out of girls built up, if you had a significant other, people that are supposed to raise you, if they weren't there for you, if they didn't build you up, encourage you, uh, hug you, especially hugging, because the, the amount and type of love and attention you receive determines your measurement of worth and value. And the, uh, okay, so the amount and type of love and attention you receive determines your measurement of worth and value. And your amount of worth and value re you receive determines your measurement of trust. And the amount of trust you have determines your measurement of faith. So you think about it. If you don't have people, if you're not trusted and, you, and you're, there, there's always negative growing up, and there's a lot of that. I mean, you did nothing wrong. Your just parents came from a negative background themselves. Again, uh, it's, it's again, Proverbs 22.6, chain up a child in the way they should go, and when they're older, they won't depart from it. So what are you not departing from? What do you have that you're given that's still in you that you like that that you know is not right? You're just carrying it around, just like your parents did. You're more like your parents than you want to be, should be or want to be. So it's like oh, I don't want this, but we don't know how to get rid of it, and that's why that's why I'm so glad I'm here because I want to. This is what I do for a living, by the way. I get I help people get rid of the self. Either they come to me. Uh, either through insurance, I'm, I'm a, I've been doing this uh, in mental health. I'm a licensed mental health therapist, and I've been doing this for f 44 years. Now, I started when I was two, so, you know. <laughs> Sorry, Lord, forgive me. So the point is that Lord wants you to recognize Jesus gave his life for us to fill us with his power and authority. Again, that's 1 Corinthians 3.16, uh, John 1.16, John 1, which is his, we have all his fullness. So God's waiting for us to use what Jesus died for. Otherwise, he died for nothing. So he already gave it to us. So he's waiting us for us to use what, he already, what we already have. So what a church needs to do, and which I believe you are, you're getting that, to letting you know what you have. And then you need to learn to step into it. And so what happens is a church like this, why I'm saying I'm glad I'm here because I want to help equip your church to actually do more of that. 
and find that healthiness. So remember, unhealthy hurts will cause unhealthy beliefs, unhealthy thoughts, and unhealthy actions. Like not good, even not good enough, I can't, um, God can't use me, not deserving anxiety and, issue, and other issues. So, so this only means you did not get enough of something. So if you don't feel like I'm good enough, that means you didn't get good enough of the good. Right? You didn't get enough of the good. So when, when, when your external circumstances are greater than your belief of authority and power within you, your circumstance becomes your God. So when you don't exercise what you know, that means your unhealthy emotions are hindering your ability to exercise what you believe. So let me say it again. So if, if you don't exercise what you know, that means your unhealthy emotions are hindering you, your ability to exercise what you believe. So, so who are you like? The disciples, when you're overwhelmed and you feel like God's not there and I'm, oh, I'm desperate on a regular basis, or are you like Jesus, that you're having the peace because my, my peace is greater than my circumstances around me. And if it's not, that means that somebody gave you something that makes you feel overwhelmed on the inside, which makes you then believe the outside the same way. Does that make sense? It's like, don't ask me to repeat it. So, <laughs> <laughs> so what I want to do is I want to go to uh, the next, how to get out of this, and then we'll land this plane. Okay, so um, how to receive healing. To re- especially, because that's what I work out of mostly. I, uh, I expect when I pray that people are going to be healed, like automatically. But, if, but God's given me, uh, well, the job that I do is when they don't. So I get a lot of people if they don't get healed, but either way. So that's why I want to I teach you about that. So it's, this is the uh, analogy emote. So first thing you do, is what do you feel with that condition, whether it's emotional or whether it's uh, physical? What do you feel with that? Because really, that's the soul part. I, I want you to pray about it and ask it to leave in the name of Jesus like, and, and command what the authority that you have. But if it doesn't, I need, to, I need to work out like what's still inside of me that's hindering it from doing that. Then you would find an early memory with the same emotion. Uh, so, for example, if... Uh, I was, I'm feeling this way either physically or emotionally and, and I can go to a place, either go to the place where it originally started or go to uh, back. Uh, like, for example, I prayed for, um, I don't even know this guy with Terry. I don't know. What is it? Okay, so. Oh, yeah, I prayed with you. That was awesome. How are you feeling now? So I prayed with said, Do you mind if I say this story? Because I want to be telling people around the world now because that's kind of stuff. <laughs> Okay, so Terry, you're going to be famous, okay? I don't have to use your name, though. Well, write another book. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> That's so cute of you. Okay. I'm glad my wife's not here because she would not want me to write another book. Not yet, okay? So, um, so anyway, Terry said that uh, he has anxiety for 70 years. 
And um, we talked, so God took him back to just a memory. You already knew this memory. Actually, it came to you from probably hearing last yesterday. And you're realizing that uh, your a brother died when you were, no, no, a brother was sick in, uh, in his crib and you, had, you were in the same room, sleeping in the same room, and he was very sick a lot. And you'd cr- climb into his crib and you'd hold him to hopefully he'd get better. And there was oxygen, uh, it was tubes you know, from oxygen, there was oxygen tanks all over the place because he was sick and he was on the verge of dying. Well, even though you held him and you wanted for him to be alive, he, they took him to the hospital one day and he never came back. And you blamed yourself that you didn't care for him enough and that's why he died. So you've had anxiety over people being sick and that I'd done something wrong for 70 years. So when we came up here and you pictured Jesus with you, between you, you gave me a little love hug and a little, this is what the, where we're going now. So picture a safe person protecting you and releasing the emotion of the person. The reason why we hold on to things is because we have nobody there to give it to. So you think about it. When you have kids uh, or nieces or nephews, again, and I use this analogy a lot, they're in the, you're in the house together and they're running and then they fall and they get this rug burn and they're crying their eyes out. The reason why kids cry the earlier they are is because they're still learning about pain. And they're still learning what to do with that. So you come up to them and you give them a little love hug and by the way, this is all, everything I talked about today is in this book, by the way, all right? So if there's one you want to get, I mean, you can get this one. So should you get the love hug? And this is the, what you'd get as a child. You get the little hug and, and pat on the back. It's just going to be okay. So tell me what went on. Tell me how you're feeling. And by them telling you, they're going to cry and or speak it out. And those are two parts of the brain, two different parts of the brain. And when you're doing that, it's called processing. So when you process that information out, the trauma goes emotionally and physically, and uh, it goes away, um, you know, mentally. And you know that a, a ch- that child then who hurt themselves will never have to talk about that or remember that trauma again because it's released. The reason why uh, Terry felt that way for that long because there was nobody there to help him release it. And the earlier you are, the more you take it on. And you tend to up to about 11 because puberty, at puberty at 11 years old, that's when your mind starts developing. Other than that, it's all emotion. So you think everything is your fault, especially up to about seven. And so what happens is you took that initial feeling. And now I know you're smart enough now to know that's not true. I mean, if something like that happened, somebody went to the hospital, you would know that intellectually. But the problem is the little boy didn't know that, so the emotion was so strong. So early emotion that's not resolved is always greater than my logic to know better. Always. You ever see somebody that's like, why are you acting that way? Like your spouse or your teacher or, a, or you know, just somebody in your life or a friend, like they're over-emotional about stuff? Like why are they? That's because that's the telltale sign. It's It's... When the amount of emotion and reaction is greater than the situation calls for, then that situation is not the origin of that amount of emotion. It's always earlier. And so the now situation is the trigger for that. Now, I'm really getting into way more stuff than I was planning on to, but dinner is at six, right? Okay, so. <laughs> uh, so anyway, this is really fascinating stuff. 
And so you got to recognize, so if somebody's acting like that, it's like, oh my goodness, what's going on in that person? Instead of you taking it personally, see that they got a personal issue. Does that make sense? And so that's why it's always someplace else. Unless it happened at this moment, of course, you've got to hurt from that. But if they can't get over it and it's a year later, well, there's something probably even earlier than that because they're not resolving it. And typically people that don't get over stuff, they never learn to release it because nobody taught them and nobody did this. So this is what you need to do. And it's in the book, again, just um, allow yourself to feel comforted and especially Jesus or a grandparent or somebody, then you, you see yourself giving a little love a hug. You do it to yourself. I do it all the time. I mean, I'm driving home from seeing, you know, seven or, seven or eight clients a day, you know, an hour each. And I'm going home and I got stuff going on. So I tap on my steering wheel. I says, Lord, I got to get rid of this. I saw that couple again. Boy, I can't stand them. And so I'm going like this. I never say that to people. I just say it to Jesus. <laughs> You gotta have humor, right? Because you'd be crying all the time. I can't believe all the people that are hurting. Okay, so you release that emotion, and then you thank God for for the release as you release it. Just thank you, Lord, for taking it away because I don't need to hold on anymore because it was given to me. So when we release that, Terry, and, and you were able to release it and see it, it's just gone, and you didn't you don't have the anxiety anymore about about you did something wrong something's going to happen to me i'm not afraid of that sickness right it's gone and that took what i don't know minutes thank you jesus thank you that that, that you have that relationship with somebody i think it was either jesus was your comfort person or maybe i don't know who else it was it was grandmother right you see so it's it's that feeling of comfort by the way a lot of times we have never felt comforted by Jesus. It's an intellectual relationship. So, so, but Jesus can. He always wants to heal us, but I don't feel it. So, because uh, when we are born, we don't know who Jesus is. So God created a representative, which is my mother and father, especially your father. Your father is your first God. And, and how you learned how have God in your life is because uh, is how he represents that as an authority figure. And so what happens is if you don't have a father in your life or a very good representation of a father, that knowledge will, from the one I do see will transfer to the one I don't see. And especially if your father was not in your life, how can I relate to a father I don't see if I never had a father that I did see? You see the connection? So you've got to see the connection. If you have a difficult time this is free, by the way, a little extra. Okay, so if you have a difficult time hearing from God, feeling God's presence, uh, sensing his healing, communicating with God, it's because it didn't happen here. Bottom line, because it's a role model of what you're going to learn. Now, you can get out of it. You just start releasing it at the hurt from that. And when you get rid of the hurt, he will come in because he's already there. You already have him in your heart. And if you didn't have your first God in your heart, it's hard to feel your second God in your heart. You understand? But so this. So anyway, I gotta. I gotta stop. So um, and we will. Be, you'll be telling about people about us praying afterwards. Okay. So anyway, thank you very much. And um, she's gonna pray. Are you gonna pray for everybody? Okay, that'd be cool. All right. Thank you so much. God bless you. Yeah.
Okay. Okay. So first of all, when you um, are loved by somebody, uh, let's say as a little child, they they they, what, what could the best way to happen is you get you get hugged, and do you ever uh, typically isn't it just normally say it's gonna be okay, it's gonna be okay, right? Uh, however, so that's one reason is because you're you're touching them. And by the way, I didn't never never said this any other time, but to let you know, when you touch a person, your hand, the the, sh the amount of your hand is a stimulation on your body, and when it's a comfort way of touching the person, uh, when you touch a person with your hand, it actually covers and touches 120,000 um, nerve endings, and those nerve endings actually will actually shoot up. Up from your uh, shoot up a, um, a feeling up your spinal column to your brain. What it does is it triggers endorphins, dopamine, um, and uh, and then uh, serotonin, and so it's a feel good chemical within seconds, and that's why you feel good when you get touched. That's one reason. The second reason is when you do this. Uh, just to let you know, we're not supposed to hold on to stuff. We're not supposed to. We're supposed to let it go. We're never even supposed to be sick. But the reason why we're sick is because we hold on stuff. So uh, our bodies releases through releasing, uh, through um, it also releases through um, uh, sweating or laughing or crying. Those are releases. We also release the major part of where we release is through dreaming. Dreaming is a form of release. There's two reasons why we dream only. There's two reasons why to, to release trauma and to hear from God. Just look it up. You can Google dreaming, and it'll tell you about the releasing trauma. The hearing from God, you're not going to find that right away on that. But that's how God communicates. Okay, so when we dream, we dream during REM, which is rapid eye movement. So when we dream, we don't know it because we're asleep. Our eyes go back and forth really fast. This is just universal. It's not new age. This is what God created because we have to release this in our body or we were going to be hurt more. So when our, our eyes do this, when it goes to the right side, it, it, it stimulates the left, uh, the right hemisphere to release emotion. When it goes to the left side, it releases memory. So all that does, all dreaming does is releasing emotion and memory. And so when you do this, it's manual REM. You're actually doing REM. Mm -hmm. Because you're stimulating the right and left hemisphere and it's helping to release something. You could just, you could... This is all my book, by the way. This is this chapter 10. You could just sit there and see. That's all I do. That's all I do is I, in my office is I, or around the world, actually, because I get calls from all over the world, which is that's what this church is going to start doing. So I just sit there and I release what the people can't release because they don't know how to. So you could just sit there in your room alone, just see, have some problem, go back to car accident or somebody yelled at you or your friend betrayed you or a boy or girlfriend or I don't know, whatever it is. Like they were such a knucklehead. So see that feeling. What's the feeling? And this is the short version of it. Like what's the feeling? Go to the back to that memory. See the safe person in there. I just put, like, put a grandmother or somebody you felt comforted by and Jesus your grandmother is, or whoever it is, is your comfort. Jesus is your power. Just have them sit there and just relax and just see him giving you a comfort. This is like a love hug and a little love pat. And see yourself releasing and just giving it to Jesus and you'll be healed. Like, why wouldn't you? That's what you do when you're a little kid. But you never got it. I don't care how old you are. I mean, hopefully your spouse does it to you or your girlfriend does it to you or 
It doesn't matter how old your kids are. If you haven't done it, do it now, right? Why, why would you want to hold on to this stuff? So anyway, this is just a little help. Does that, that was way more than you probably asked for, but it's. The, the cool thing is that, like, thank you. Can we, get, can we give Craig a hand? Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Family Life Christian Center podcast. If you enjoyed that message, please subscribe and share us with your friends. We believe the Holy Spirit is alive and active in the body of Christ and wants to have a relationship with us as He guides us toward our destiny. If you'd like to partner with us in your giving, please check out our website at www.familylife.cc giving. Or you can text GIVE to 844 844- Nine five five zero nine nine three. Thank you for listening and stay blessed.